Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional grade industrial supplies. Count on real time product availability and fast delivery. Call clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome back to Believe in Softball. I'm your host, Jenna Becerra, and guess what? We got to watch softball games this past weekend. Opening weekend for college softball came and went, and we're back. And we'll get more into that in a little bit, but a quick reminder of some updates for the show. So you can now follow us on Instagram and Twitter at Believe in Softball. That's B-L-E-A-V. And you can subscribe to Believe in Softball on YouTube. We got video. So you can now watch the episodes this season too. All right, let's go through today's order. First, we'll cover our bases, share some news and updates to kick things off. Then we'll head into the interview with today's guest, Melissa Inouye, the fearless leader at Fordham. And she gives an intimate look at all that goes in to a D1 softball program today. And we'll end things with the foul tip of the week. Again, this is a new segment that we introduced this season. Foul balls, AKA foul tips, they keep us alive in our at-bats. They bring us one step closer to getting that hit. And while not every swing is perfect, nobody is perfect. We keep at it and we keep getting our foul tips along the way. So I'll share another foul tip of the week today. Now let's get started. Before we get into everything softball, I want to give a quick shout out to other sports going on right now, too. There's pro and college basketball, hockey, and more that are also in season. And the go-to place to bet on these sports is at betonline.ag. But honestly, come on, let's be honest. How many movies and shows have you binged during quarantine? If you're like me, you've basically lost count. But lucky for us, BetOnline also covers awards, TV shows, and reality TV. They have hundreds of props with real-time odds on almost anything you can imagine. And of course, the online casino is open 24 hours. So head to the website or use your mobile device to sign up today and receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. That's betonline.ag. BetOnline, your online sportsbook experts. But you know, when it comes to hitting home runs, I think college softball players, those are your long ball experts. On opening day, Oklahoma set a record with 13 home runs in one game. They scored a total of 29 runs against UTEP. And I think it's safe to say there's no questions asked on why they broke in the top three in this week's rankings. We also saw some bat lips from Matty Hackbarth at ASU, this like no look one handed toss. It, it kind of seems like this really is this new era in softball. Old school people in the game really don't like it. Although we do know that last week's guest, Sherry Kempf, is here for it. So there's that. 
But then there was also Rachel Garcia and Bubba Nichols. They both hit bombs in their first at-bats back from playing with Team USA. I mean, just very poetic. And, oh, yeah, by the way, reminder, we get them back in NCAA softball. And Deja Mulipola from U of A also. They'll play the college season before heading to Tokyo this summer. So we'll get more of them on our screens. And no pressure for Deja. I mean, for U of A's opener, it's at home on her birthday. Your teammates got home runs. Deja, no pressure at all. But at the same time, actually, while they were all with their teams, there was Olympic team training too. Team USA and Team Mexico were actually both in Texas, finally getting to reunite as a team. I think Mexico had been about a year since they had all been in the same place. So good stuff on the horizon. At the same time, it's not a huge surprise that there were some cancellations, but some things were not necessarily expected. The weather in Texas and both, both the Olympic teams felt this, but also the college teams. There have been some ice storms out there, a lot of cancellations. There's also been a lot of storms in the Pacific Northwest. So first of all, everybody, please stay safe. In addition to weather-related cancellations, which was really a bummer for many reasons, there were also some cancellations related to COVID-19 issues. Cal Poly, for example, has had to cancel some games early on. Um, You know, there's still obviously a lot that's out of our control. There will be other changes, I'm sure, that are going to pop up and movement and cancellations. We've seen it in football, basketball, volleyball, et cetera, this school year already. So we really just have to focus on what we can control and continue making safety the priority. And really with softball, lots of teams haven't played their first games yet. So we still have some firsts that we're going to look forward to this week. But the games that we did get in opening weekend – I have to say, I just loved the energy. I think that's one of the things that we all miss the most from not having college softball in so long. You know, Mississippi State has some players mic'd up singing to Fergie songs, Northwestern's dancing in their home run celebrations. And then there's Duke. They upset LSU. Big bats. The arms were going in the circle, too. They also jumped, actually, from being ranked 25th to 18 in the coaches' poll. We said they'd be one to watch, and they are so far. And then lastly, I have to give a shout out on the defensive side too. Josie Muffley at Florida State laid down a beautiful tag. It was honestly art. There was a runner who was trying to steal second. The throw from the catcher was high and pretty wild. So she jumps in the air, literally jumps over the runner as she's sliding, defies the laws of momentum and manages to tag her in time while she's still in the air. And you have to see it for yourself. So go to NCAA softball's Instagram to see a video of it. It was unbelievable. And I personally think tags are underrated in softball and baseball. It's such an important skill that can easily make the difference between an out versus having a runner in scoring position. And I love me some good defense. And you know what? Someone else who appreciates great defense and has great energy is today's guest. So let's head into the interview. She is the head coach of Fordham softball, 2019 Atlantic 10 champion and coach of the year and UNLV alum, Melissa Inoue. Thank you for joining, Coach. I'm, I'm really excited we're able to connect. You know what? You mentioned something to me before we jumped on, which is that you're from Hawaii, and I did see that. And I have to ask, like, what are your favorite things about Hawaii? Like, tell me more, because I feel like we all have this sort of like, oh, it's this vacation destination spot. But really, there's a lot more to it. Like my sophomore year, for example, we actually got to open up our season at the University of Hawaii, and we stayed in Waikiki 
but I've heard that's really just a fraction of what you can mm -hmm. experience there. So tell me more. Well, I hope you made it out to the North Shore. Um, but yeah, Hawaii is a special place. Um, I think it's full of a lot of culture and diversity. Uh, you know, the scenery is beautiful. Pretty much every 10 minutes that you drive, you'll see a different um, kind of vegetation, if you will, whether it's beach or maybe it's a mountain range, um, but it is beautiful. We have a lot of different cultures there. So if you like to try new foods, um, especially fruit and seafood and things like that, uh, or poke for that matter, um, that I think you'll enjoy Hawaii, but it's a great place. It's pretty hospitable and you know, the, the scenery is beautiful. So I, I try to recommend everybody to go to Hawaii at least once in their life. Oh yes. And I definitely <laughs> want to go back. Like my mom actually flew out to that tournament that I mentioned. Um, and she, you know, she got to see Hawaii for the first time in her life, but we actually never got a picture together. Oh, so, which we're like, how did we do that? But this was before iPhones, right? Like, and I'm aging myself, but that's fine. So now <laughs> I'm like, oh, we should go back for that. And then COVID kind of screwed that up, but I definitely want to go back. You should, you should go, uh, uh check out one of the other islands too. Yes. Oh, I definitely, definitely want to do that. So with that being said, like, what do you wish people knew about Hawaii that not a lot of people realize? Oh, well, number one, we don't live in grass huts, you know, and wear <laughs> coconut or, and wear coconut bras. Um, but really, if anything, I think it's a lot of down to earth people uh, with really strong work, work ethic. Um, and that's, you know, that, that definitely comes from where I'm from. My, you know, my parents, uh, my dad is born and raised on, on another island in Kauai. And uh, his, his parents were plantation workers. So I think it's very much work ethic. Um, but pretty much everybody is auntie and uncle there. So our neighbors are called auntie and uncle and everybody is Ohana and family. Um, so I, I think Hawaii is a very close knit family atmosphere and everybody knows everybody. You know, number one, if you walked into a Walmart, you'd probably say, hey, auntie, hey, uncle. And then someone would ask you, are you really related to them? And you have to try to explain to them, well, no, they're like my cut. They're like my you know, distant cousin, or they're just my neighbor, you know? Um, but yeah, very family oriented. Yeah, that's a good, that's a really good atmosphere. I feel like that probably translates well to a team now, or just you having that background too. But what translates maybe a little differently is the weather situation. So literally <laughs> going all the way from Hawaii, now you're in New York, it's might be the literally the farthest you can go <laughs> like in, yeah. within the U.S., well, I kind of, I think I kind of got used to the weather going from Hawaii, played out at UNLV, and then I coached in the South and kind of naturally made my way up to the Northeast. Um, I actually don't mind the cold. I just don't like driving in the snow and the ice, you know, the black ice, because you can't really see it. So, uh, but I don't mind the cold. Um, even if our players would, would tell you if it was 35 or 40 out right now, I'd probably be in a t-shirt and shorts throwing batting practice, you know, um, and hitting ground balls outside. So um, yeah, I don't, I don't mind the cold too much. Oh, that's good. That's definitely good. Because if you did, then we might have a problem. But yeah. did you surf in Hawaii? Yeah, no, you know what? It's embarrassing to say, Jenna, but I don't know if I've ever been on a surfboard. I've been on a boogie really? board. Yeah, you've been on a boogie board, you canoe paddle, you kayak. But as far as surfboard, uh, people think it's very easy, but it's actually incredibly hard. Um, but I'm, I'm more of a boogie boarder and uh, a kayaker, if you will. It's funny you say that because I'm from Southern California and not quite maybe as much as someone who's from Hawaii, but people kind of just think, yeah, you probably go to the beach, you've surfed, right? I've never surfed either, but I boogie board too. So we're on the same page there, but I was going to, I was asking because it's, I was wondering if you snowboard or ski or do anything like that on the East coast now. No, I'm kind of a chicken. I think I'm afraid that my body is uh, not as agile as it used to be uh, back in college. So I think I'm too nervous to get hurt with an ACL or something. 
I don't know if I've ever made it past the bunny slopes. <laughs> oh, I've only skied once in my entire life, rode the magic carpet or whatever they call it to get up, <laughs> was taking a lesson with all these like five-year-olds, you know, and here I am, I think I was like 25 at the time. <laughs> um, and yeah, pretty much stayed on all the green slopes too. So yeah, right. I think I'd, I think I'd be that person on the slope that everyone is like, you shouldn't be on the slope right now. <laughs> <laughs> eh, that's fine. We'll stick to softball then. <laughs> yeah. Oh man. Well, yeah, this is fun. I, I, it's cool because I know you and I first got in contact on Instagram after, mm -hmm. you know, I had Kayla Lombardo, who's an awesome alum, obviously from Fordham, uh, on the show. And she talked a lot about the program itself and her experience there, but uh, I was really excited to then get in touch with you, but it, it did kind of make me think, you know, you're on Instagram, you're the head coach. How many hats do you wear right now? I think you wear a lot of, obviously my staff and I, we all have access to the Instagram account. And uh, uh, Kayla was actually a freshman when I was here at Fordham as an assistant coach. Um, so it's really neat for me to be able to see her transition from a freshman in the fall of 2011 to where she is now, you know, and even back then as a freshman, uh, she already had so many qualities and intangibles that this kid just got it. You know what I mean? From an academic standpoint at a, a great school like Fordham, and then for her to get entirely involved on campus, um, you know, so it's, it's no, it's no surprise that she's been very successful with, um, you know, her softball America. And I know she interned with the Yankees when she was here as a student. Uh, so it's no, it's no doubt that she was going to be uh, successful, you know, and I think the biggest thing is, um, you know, uh, being a female in the sports world, I think is huge. So it's been fun. And Kayla has done, um, she did a career workshop for our team, um, earlier this fall about social media and kind of marketing yourself. Uh, so it's been really neat that we have a really strong alumni base uh, that's, you know, tied in obviously on, not only in the college softball realm, but just in, uh, in uh, women athletics, you know, so that's been awesome to be able to tie in um, some alumni, but yeah, Kayla's awesome. She yeah, makes you feel I mean, old, <laughs> <laughs> well, I just love hearing about the, the stories about giving back to, or really like paying it forward. You know, I always kind of debate on, is it giving back or is it paying it forward? Cause they're, you know, but either way, it's, it's really cool. And, and I think it's safe to say after talking with her that she is Fordham till she dies, like mm -hmm. <laughs> forever Fordham through and through. She even actually admitted on the show that, you know, while she's a journalist and she doesn't normally have a horse in the race with different games that are going on, if Fordham's playing, she's rooting for Fordham. She doesn't root for anyone else, but it's always Fordham <laughs> softball. <laughs> yes, yes, for sure. But it, it's, it's funny you say that too, because, you know, you boomeranged back to Fordham. Um, mm -hmm. You were an assistant coach. And that was actually my senior year of college. So I don't think we got to play Fordham that year, but I don't think so. It was a while back. And then you came back and correct me if I'm wrong, but didn't Bridget Orchard, the longtime head coach actually recommend you for the job? As yeah. Well? Her, um, so I was fortunate to be able to coach with her in the 11, 12 year and really get an idea of kind of, you know, how she ran things and what Fordham softball was about as well as coaching in the Northeast and uh, really enjoyed it. We had a great group of girls that year. Um, you know, Kayla was a freshman, like I said, and, you know, we beat Alabama here at home um, the year that they won the national title. So that was a pretty big deal. And then, you know, I had an opportunity to be a head coach at Iona right up the road. And Bridget and I stayed in great contact with each other. Uh, we still talk now, probably about once a week, if not once every two weeks. And, uh, you know, when she was going through kind of her process with her alma mater, you know, her and I communicated and um, pretty much I was like, well, it's a no, no brainer. You know, if you were to leave, then I would love to, uh, you know, get back there at Fordham. So 
um, kind of had a little bit of inkling with that and then, you know, fortunate to go through the process and I'm super happy and humbled to be back. But I think that says a lot about you though, too, and, and her really, because I don't know if it's happens all the time that the coach who's leaving actually is like, oh, actually here's this great person to, <laughs> to come in and, and make it their own, you know? So I think that's, that speaks volumes to just sort of that community that is created at Fordham, but also lasts over time. Mm-hmm. Yeah, big shoes to fill. I think a lot of people were crazy, right? Telling me to take over. Um, but uh, I think if anything, it was an honor to, to kind of come after her. But if anything, wanting to continue the tradition and if not, maybe push the envelope to go further. Absolutely. And it's one of those things too, where yes, you want to sort of have that balance of respecting the tradition that exists there and what has been built, but also sort of make it your own and take it to where you want to go. So how do you kind of come in and do that? I think the nice thing with me being previously an assistant coach here, like I'm kind of essentially tied into about the last decade of players, if you will. Right. So from the fall of 11 and then those players that just graduated before that, I know them. Uh, So it's been helpful through the alumni process and getting more contact information and and getting them re-engaged in the program. Um, But you're right. It is a fine balance, but you know, we're definitely um, proud of the tradition that came before us. And I think it's, And our girls would probably tell you, we're really big on that and honoring who came before us and who all played the groundwork um, because the program went from no scholarships and no assistant coaches to now we're fully funded, two full-time assistants, beautiful stadium, the resources. Um, So, you know, it kind of, there was a beginning and um, I think the girls knowing that there was a process and that you do, it's very important to honor who came before us, you know, and and it's evident, like you said, Gala is Fordham through and through. And anytime we do these alumni calls, whether it's an 81 or a 91 alum or a, 20, a 2001 or 2011, um, they're super proud of where they came from. And, uh, you know, uh, we definitely want to honor that, continue that and uh, uphold that tradition, if you will. The alumni piece is really important. Mm-hmm. Um, of course, like, like you said, for some certain tangible things like Kayla coming and talking with everybody and helping them maybe develop certain skills for their career after softball or whatever it is that they're going to do. But the encouragement and that sort of seeing, well, you know, pre-COVID and hopefully post-COVID alumni show up to games if they're in the area, things like that. It's really that's that atmosphere, that family part that helps that growth. Like I, I don't, when you say like, okay, yeah, we got more funding. We got, we got all these things in place. Um, it's hard to accomplish those things without the alums. Absolutely. And we actually, even despite the shortened season in 2020, in our opening weekend, Houston, we had four alumni come, uh, two from the 2019 class that live in the area for their jobs. And we had two, uh, one of them actually was a hall of fame, uh, alumni and she was from the 2007 class and another one from the 2009 class and another one from the 2015 class. So we actually had five alumni come out that weekend. And then a couple of weeks later in North Carolina, we had a 2012 alumni. And it's cool because like she, that player was a, a senior when I was here. And so it was really cool for me to be able to go up to her, give her a hug. And she's like sporting this old school Fordham softball shirt <laughs> that, the, that the girls are like, oh, that's pretty retro. Can we get one? And I was like, I don't think we print those anymore, you know, <laughs> um, but it is pretty neat though. And I think our players seeing that of them taking time out of their own lives on a weekend uh, to come cheer on, you know, their former school, I think goes a long way because I also hope that our players do that when they're removed five years from now, um, you know, giving back, not so much on the donations part, but really the physical part of it, you know, and the engagement 
and the connection I think is huge. So it goes a long way. And plus they're usually loud alumni. So it helps to have some rowdy alumni fans in, in the crowd. Oh, a hundred percent. I remember mm -hmm. we were in super regionals my freshman year. So actually this would have been 2012 <clears throat> and, or no, it would have been 2009. Wow. I'm trying to make myself younger still of <laughs> <laughs> 2009. Um, and we were hosting Arizona uh, at Stanford and our alumni, a bunch of them showed up, Lauren Lappin, like a ton of them. And I remember after we won the first game, all of them in the stands were doing our cheer that we do as a team and what a lot of school uh, teams at Stanford do, mm -hmm. which is like, who's house, C house, like Cardinal house. And they did it. We did it back. They did it. We did it back. And it was just like this moment of like, wow, you, you just are reminded of how much bigger it is than you. Mm -hmm. Um, and where kind of where you fit into the whole thing. And yeah, you do think about like, yeah, I do want to do that later when it's mm -hmm. my turn to be the one in the stands cheering on the program. Definitely. It, it makes a big difference. It does. And it helps too that the alums, you know, with all the consistent success that Fordham's had, for example, they, they're the ones that did it, right? Like they, mm -hmm. they know what it takes and they can help impart that on, on current players and, and beyond. But for you, it's like, what do you feel like has been the key or is the key in general to consistent success? I think it definitely starts in recruiting, you know, it, uh, finding the right fit. Um, obviously I mentioned it's a great academic school. Um, obviously you should be familiar with that at, at Stanford. So it's making sure it's the right fit. Yes, they mm -hmm. want to come to play softball here, but they also care a lot about their academics, you know? And so it's, um, it's pretty common for our players to take obviously a pretty full load of classes and rigorous classes, but also to get involved on campus. Like we have several players that intern with WFUV, which is a student run radio station, which is like a top ranked radio station across college um, colleges. And I mean, it's, it's not like I'll be in the grocery store and I'll be wearing Fordham and someone will say, oh, I listen to WFUV, it's awesome. <laughs> so it's actually kind of funny. Like I said, I, we have two players intern there, um, but it does start in recruiting, uh, finding the right fit, but also it starts with finding um, people that want to win and the people that don't want to compete, you know, that, that, I mean, we play a tough schedule every year, just about. And um, I think it's ones that aren't going to be afraid that your opening year as a freshman is going out to play Arizona right away. You know, I, I think that is a big thing. And then also just um, a gritty, gritty, gritty ball players and passionate players. You know um, I think there's a certain chip on our shoulder being here in the Bronx, right. Being a New York city urban campus um, so I think it's, you know, grit, com um, grit, competitiveness, and then just kind of the recruiting feel and, and the recruiting fit. I think those have kind of been our key to success. It makes sense. And I think grit, grit is something that actually the current Stanford coach, coach Alistair, she was my assistant when I played mm -hmm. at Stanford and now here she is, uh, back at Stanford too. So similar, similar to your path in that sense. Um, but grit is like her go-to word. And mm -hmm. not because it's an empty word, but because it really does kind of bring it all together on what it is. It's like your mentality, but also your physical, just like pushing yourself, all of it really grit is what it comes down to at the end of the day. Mm -hmm. But when you're recruiting players, what is it that you look for? I guess, you know, of course, from the talent side of things like skills videos, whatever it is, like, what are you looking for in that sense? But also the intangibles, right? Like, how do you kind of see like, oh, I think that player has grit. I think it's little things like, um, you know, if it's a, if it's an outfielder, um, yeah, she might only have one dive in the game, but is she a great base runner? Is her, is her, 
is her uniform so dirty that um, it's because she doesn't want to get out. She wants to score. Um, I think it's also just how they carry themselves on the field. You know, is it a pitcher that it's a bases loaded situation, one out, she strikes out their best hitter and like fist bumps. Um, I think it's maybe the shortstop that in a tight situation, maybe she calls time and walks up to the, um, to the pitcher. So I think it's, it's little things like that, that show, I think, grit and competitiveness, but also I think leadership, um, but passion. I think it's, 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 it's easy to find on the field. I think passion, right? Like, I think a lot of people think passion is through um, vocal ability, but you could also have a lot of passion and be the quietest kid on the field from a vocal standpoint. You know, it could be a presence standpoint. Um, so that, I think, I think for that, for me, recruiting, and then also it's just kind of, do they fit our puzzle? Do they fit our style, um, our makeup, if you will, um, you know, of style of play, um, you know, are they athletic enough to play multiple positions? You know, I think the more versatile you are, like we like, we like to recruit pitchers that hit, you know, um, our lineup right now, we've got six pitchers and five out of the six swing for themselves. You know, I think it brings a little bit more versatility to the lineup, whereas other people might choose to not have their pitchers hit. Um, but uh, I would say that those are some things that the passion piece is huge for me because I think at the division one level at a competitive program like Fordham, you know, doing it six days a week, um, you have to want to get better in the daily improvement and, you know, to come maybe at a UCLA opening week and get your butt handed to you. Can you bounce back and be ready to go against Baylor the next weekend? You know, I think that's more or less um, uh, kind of what we're looking for is people that aren't afraid to play the best. You know, we don't want an easy schedule. We want to play tough people. We want to get challenged. And so we're even more prepared for conference play. Right. Iron sharpens iron. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And that's something that, you know, Bridget believed in. And I learned that when I was an assistant here with her, we went to Palm Springs that year. And uh, I don't know who we played. It was probably top 25, everybody, you know, all five games out there. So I think, you know, you really get to see kind of why certain mid-major programs succeed. It's because they believe in the tough schedule, um, you know, and thankfully we do have the resources to do that. That Palm Springs tournament is no joke. Mm -hmm. uh, I think Mary it's Nutter, right? It's, it's real. Yeah. And there'd be, I remember for us there, you know, that's when we would get to play like some SEC teams to your mm -hmm. point too, like in the preseason. So it was like, Oh, PAC 12 SEC, you know, so, but at the end of the day too, you know, it doesn't matter. You have to show up and win to mm -hmm. win. Right. Like yep. we, it doesn't matter what it says on the front of your chest. It matters how you show up that day and how you've prepared up to that point. But I think um, one thing that you said that I love and all the listeners will know this, I love pitchers who hit like, I love it because I just think, you know, you want to help yourself out. Like versatility is something that I value as well. And I can tell that that's a big part of your program. And I love it. I mean, who doesn't like watching Rachel Garcia do that? Lisa Fernandez, right? Like it's fun. <laughs> it's also mm -hmm. fun to see. Yeah. I mean, I grew up as a pitcher and I, I think I didn't get to hit as much in high school. That's, so that's probably maybe me trying to get back, but I do think there's a certain element that if the pitcher gave up a two run dinger, the last thing they want to do is sit on the bench and, to see the offense struggle, you know, and I, I think it's awesome. I mean, one of our best hitters in our team is our pitcher hitter, you know, and she, and she also plays in the outfield too. So um, I, I selfishly think pitchers make good hitters too. They should understand yeah. um, pitching mechanics. And if pitchers are tipping pitches, 
Uh, they should under they should understand counts and reading spin. Um, but I'm with you, Jenna. I think that there's a, a certain um, uh, clout, if you will, to you know, if I struggled one inning, I want to be able to get it back. And it's also really cool when the pitcher did give up a go-ahead run, and then she finds herself in that position to get that right back, and then to come back and shut out the inning. That's when I think is a game changer when you do have a two-way player. Yeah, it's more redemption. And there's mm -hmm. a lot of redemption in our game, just kind of naturally. Um, but yes, it's like you get to change the narrative. Like you have, mm -hmm. you know, to your point, yeah, I don't want to just sit here and hope that my teammates do it for me. I mean, of course, you're going to cheer them on, but it's like you want to help. You want to be part of it. Yeah, we always talk to with the team that it never comes down to one pitch. You know, it's magnified right. that it's the one pitch, but there were so many other plays in the game that kind of added up to where it is, you know, and I think as a pitcher, you don't want it to be come down to one pitch. And maybe if you did give up a home run, like I said, you can find yourself back in that position to put yourself in a position to win or tie the game again. And I think that's, that's a really cool thing for a pitcher. Yeah. Because all the other players on the field, if assuming they're hitting, no one's hitting for them, right. They get that on both sides of the ball. Like if you're struggling in one area, well, like, you know what, I'm, I'm going to make sure I go all out in this area and you should be doing that all the time anyway. But the point is, is that you can make that diving play that saves a run. If you struck mm -hmm. out in your last at bat, like the other players get that opportunity. So it's nice when one of the main leaders on the team, the pitcher gets to do that too. Totally. But for you, when you're actually looking at sort of physical ability and evaluating talent, What's most helpful for you to see from young players who are trying to get recruited? It's a tough spot right now, right? With COVID and I mean, we were kind of joking as a staff, we have not physically seen a kid play in person since November of 2019, the weekend before Thanksgiving, you know? So that's a long time. Um, I think during, uh, you know, we've asked kids to send us a ton of videos, um, but I, you know, our game is all about adjustments, right? So even if we watch them live stream or even in person, if a player struggled, you know, what did she do during that week to prepare for her, to prepare for her for the next weekend? You know, did she do something different? Maybe whether her body language is better, maybe her, her aggressiveness early in the count was better. Um, maybe she sat on certain pitches or zoned off the plate. Um, I think that's what we look for, but the joy with softball is you don't have to be 5'10" you know, in a certain size or weight to play. And I think that's, what's really cool about softball. So I don't say we look for certain size players. I think there's a certain makeup athleticism wise um, that benefits you in softball, especially at the training level of, you know, lifting conditioning. Um, but I, I don't, I don't think we say like, you gotta be five, nine, maybe as pitchers, it helps to be longer levers, but you know, we also have a five foot seven pitcher that's, that's great and is fine. So to me, it's like, well, can she, can she spend the ball? Can she throw strikes? Can she get out at, at the end of the day? That's, you know, what a pitcher's job is to do. Um, I mean, I do like lefty hitters. So, I mean, I guess anybody that swings lefty, um, I, I think we always give you a look. I don't know if that's because we have a short porch and right field. It's like Yankee stadium, <laughs> I think. The ball kind of sails out, um, but I do think like lefties are tougher to pitch to. Um, you know, I think a lot of pitchers don't like to come inside on them. Um, maybe they miss a lot more. They're not as comfortable throwing to lefties. Um, but yeah, I'm a fan of. I think so. Recruiting wise, I think we we try to look for more lefties than righties. Um, 
I think we got, we're starting to get more lefties, which is nice. Um, you know, I think selfishly it would be cool to get a lineup of all lefties. Um, but that's not to say we don't recruit righties, uh, but I think it's a different dynamic uh, when you do have lefties that can do, you know, can hit for power, lay down a bunt, and also, you know, hit for average, you know. Um, I think you just have a little bit more tools uh, as a lefty hitter that maybe that runs well too. It's that versatility piece. You know, we talked mm -hmm. about it on the defensive side, but it's, that's the case offensively as well. Mm -hmm. Yeah. You think of Natasha Watley and it's just like, all right, well, this is the dream, right? The triple threats. <laughs> <laughs> she was like a machine. I don't know if it's tough to compare her. <laughs> well, true, true. There's only one. There's only one Natasha. <laughs> for sure. For sure. Uh, I actually asked her when she was on the show, for example, like, what fires her up more? You know, is it laying down a nice slap and beating the defense and getting on base or is it the opposite? She's shortstop, right? It's like, or mm -hmm. do you like making that out the other way around? And she was like, it's so tough to say, but beating the team offensively, like she's like, yep, yeah, it's gotta be offense for me. And I was like, that's not a surprise. <laughs> <laughs> she had so many tools. I mean, she was definitely a five tool player. Oh Yeah. And it, that's, that's exactly it. It's like, well, when you can beat them in so many different ways, I guess, yeah, I'd choose that too. <laughs> sure. I think one thing that's interesting too, about what you've said is you definitely mentioned some physical things like lefties, right? But a lot of the things that you've mentioned in terms of recruiting have not been physical. It's been more of the mental side of the game and their presence on the field leadership. And I think that's something that young kids who are wanting to be recruited and have that dream to play college softball should remember, because I think people get really, really caught up into all the physical aspects. And you definitely have to put the work in and make sure you do the drills, break it all down, get your reps, all of that stuff. But there's other aspects to it that ultimately affect whether you win or lose the game that aren't necessarily just, you know, stats that end up in the box score. And I think a lot of kids right now are struggling because of the, uh, you know, we're not able to go out recruiting, but we can still see a lot on a live stream. We can see when that kid doesn't run out to the field. We can see when she walks back to the dugout after a strikeout or she does not high five, maybe her teammate. So there's little things. And trust me, I think we've all been doing this long enough to know certain things that stand out. Right. I actually prefer to watch kids in warm up. I really do. You know, if kids don't catch my eye in warm up, then they're not catching my eye in the game. You know, and I'll be honest, I usually can watch warm up for about five minutes and tell you who the best three players are on the team based on how they throw and catch, because that's a fundamental part of our game. Right. If you can't throw and catch, it's really hard to play softball. So, um, yeah, I, I kind of miss actually going to watch warm ups right now because I would kill to watch a game in person versus live stream. But uh, nonetheless, we've we've still been able to see things through live stream. Um, uh, not ideal, but we've still been able to see, like you said, the intangibles, you know, um, the hustle, maybe the leadership part of it. Is it always the same kid calling the timeout in the infield, you know, or is it the pitcher high-fiving everybody when they come off the field? Or do you see her chuck her glove after she just had a really bad inning or got pulled? You know, it's those, those things you can still see on, a, see on a live stream. I don't need to be in person to see those things. As long as the camera is, is facing the whole field, we can still pick up some things. Yeah. Yeah. And, and you're looking for them too. Mm -hmm. Like you're paying attention and that's, everyone needs to remember that, you know, it's not <laughs> just about between the white lines and even so it's not just games. Like if you think about it, the most time that's spent with college softball is not necessarily during the games. 
-hmm. it's the practices, it's the weight room, it's any sort of team event that's going on film, whatever it is, most of the time, like Mm -hmm. you're, you're doing more of that than you are actually playing in the game. Mm -hmm. So it matters what you're doing during all that time. And it's a lot that people don't see, like you said, you know, it's a six days a week of training. They only get to see you, you know, do well or do bad on a Saturday, you know, on a game day. Right. Exactly. And that's, it's a fraction of, you know, what you're putting into this game and every day. Yeah, that's interesting. So I know you said game live streams, live streams are the, the way that you're able to watch Mm -hmm. kids now, but do skills videos help? Two, um, in a normal world, a non sort of COVID world, are camps helpful for you to see these kids? Yeah, normally I think, uh, you know, all the coaches, uh, you'll, you'll be able to identify players at camps and clinics because you get a little bit more one-on-one time with them. So, you know, I might be working with the infield group of 15 players and you're able to kind of see how kids take instruction at camps. Um, but videos, yeah, for sure. Anytime, I mean, you hate to say it, but social media, Jenna, has been a huge thing for recruiting. Um, you know, selfishly, I think coaches like going on social media and seeing a kid put up her minute and 10 highlight video of the weekend. And instead of watching them on the live stream and maybe their live stream went out or it didn't work or you can't see her because she's an outfielder. And so she looks like an ant on the, on the uh, computer screen. Um, but yeah, social media, like kids put up their weekend highlight videos, or if you go to their Twitter profile, you can click on their YouTube skills link. So I'll be honest, I've, I've been able to identify some new players through that. Maybe that kids that I don't know, cause they're either following our softball account or my personal account. Um, and you can click on it because you can, you can usually tell whether or not you want to continue getting to know this player, uh, maybe look into them more, get more video on them or add them to your weekend list for a tournament. You know, uh, I, I think turn. I think the videos you never really saw yet, yes or no. I think it's more maybe, you know, like hey, you know what? Maybe we should look into this kid a little bit more. And then mm-hmm. you might have the other side where I don't know if she's at our level, you know, kind of thing. Uh, but yeah, social media videos I think are really helpful. You know, the shorter the better. Um, like I don't, I don't think all of us coaches have time to watch thirty-minute videos of each kid. Um, but I think you know, under two two minutes is pretty ideal. We can usually tell within 30 seconds, which Man, I know is harsh to hear, but that's the reality. You know, that's, it's, that's, it's true. It's true. I mean, even in the working world, right? Like people reviewing resumes, they're mm-hmm. spending like probably, yeah, less than a minute, you know, maybe 30 seconds. They look at your resume. Like that's, you know, that's how it is just yep. time-wise bandwidth wise. So it makes sense. Mm-hmm. Social media is not something that was a part of my recruiting process at the time. I think that was when I had like maybe a MySpace. <laughs> when MySpace. I recru- yeah, throwback, <laughs> throwback. But um, I have noticed that more and more, especially Twitter. Twitter does seem to be that that main platform um, mm-hmm. because yeah, you can tag coaches and and do all that stuff, follow the accounts. It makes yeah, sense. You can, and you can get an idea too for maybe um, the kid's personality. You know, what are some things she likes, dislike. Um, you know, you've, I've also canceled people off of our recruiting list from, you know, what's been on their social media. Uh, so just as much as all, I know we harp on it with our own college kids, I think it's happening for high schoolers now too. Um, it can help you. It can also hinder you too. It's your personal brand, right? That's what we keep talking about. Um, and it's huge. I don't think we would say we'd like to recruit on social media, but the ease of it, it's free. Everybody can have one. Um, you know, it's technology-based. 
Um, like I can just scroll through Twitter for 30 minutes and probably find a kid that I might like, and then I'll write her down, you know, or maybe I'll start following her and then it'll come up on the feed, you know? So um, yeah, we, we kind of spent some time this week or this year, summer, kind of looking at social media. And like I said, you, you might find a couple new kids like, oh, I don't know who this kid is, but she looked pretty good in her highlight video. Let's look into her more, you know? Let's well, add her to the let's add her to the uh, post-COVID recruiting list. <laughs> exactly. Well, you're definitely right about the double-edged sword, and that's another thing that extends into the job world. So that's just something that everyone should get used to because yep. you have to make sure that you have you know everything's well represented in terms of you and your brand. Um, but it seems like with social media, though, as well it does create a little bit more accessibility. Like you're saying some kids that, yeah, you wouldn't have seen otherwise. Maybe if they don't have access to, oh, I have this camera to film me somewhat professionally to make this fancy highlight real, or, oh, my games actually aren't being live streamed this weekend. Like they can find a way to still mm -hmm. be seen. And that kind of evens the playing field just in terms, like even socioeconomically, like just because you know, I don't have the resources to do this. Oh, well, I can still use this platform to get in touch with coaches. Yeah, uh, I think some of the best videos have been those most simple videos, you know, of a kid, uh, uh, you know, on a parking lot. Like I saw a video the other day, a kid was doing short hops and picks on a, co a concrete paved parking lot. You know, and at the end of the day, glove work is glove work, whether you're using a tennis ball, a baseball, a softball, whether you're on dirt, turf or a concrete for that matter, or even hay. I don't know. I don't know if anybody did it, ever did it in a farm yet. But uh, uh, but yeah, glove work is glove work. So I think the more simple the video, the better, you know, and we don't need the professional. Like if every kid has an iPhone or a droid, you have the capability of taking a video and posting it. You know, and some of the best videos have literally been a 45 minute highlight of them doing like swings at practice, maybe them lifting, I don't know, maybe a kid's deadlifting 300 pounds as a high schooler. You're like, wow, that's kind of impressive <laughs> or, or her vertical jumping 35 inches. I think that's, you know, it shows athleticism. Um, but yeah, I think the simple, the better. We don't need to be wild with like a, a glorious $2,000 skills <laughs> video. I mean, you can do that. You can do that for free through iMovie, you know, if you have an iPhone. And if you don't have an iPhone, just use your regular camera, you know. Uh, I, I think there's ways to get it done. And I think it's hopefully simplified recruiting for people because it can be very daunting for parents um, and overwhelming, right? But I think it's trying to simplify it. And right now, social media is the most simple thing of recruiting that you can do right now. Yeah, it's true. Well, when you do get these players on campus – They've signed, they're coming to Fordham. Here they are at practice. What would you say is your coaching style? Not just with the newcomers, but I guess in general, like if you had to pick three words to describe your coaching approach, what would they be? I would say passion. I think our, our players would definitely say I'm passionate about um, life, passionate about softball, passionate about their growth and passionate about their life after softball. I think that's really caring. I think uh, not only myself, but our entire staff. Um, I think we do a tremendous job caring about the person over the athlete. I think that's really huge in their, in their uh, well-being, you know, kind of a famous saying that I tell even our recruits to when they get here as current players, that if you're okay off the field, you're going to be okay on the field. You know, and I think that's huge for them. And then I would say the last one is a competitor for sure. Uh, I don't like to lose, um, even if we're playing like a, a game of horse, 
or, you know, shoot around with our team, uh, you know, we'll get, we'll get after it. But I would say those three words. Yeah, I definitely have felt the competitive vibe, especially when you're talking about even like strength of schedule, you know, because some people like to be real cautious and you're like, no, let's get out there. Like, let's do this thing. But I love the balance too, because like you said, the whole person. Mm -hmm. I love what you said about off, if you're okay off the field, then you're like, that is spot on. You get it. (laughs) Well, and I think it it comes with uh, the atmosphere that we're in too, with with a strong academic score, right? It's never one way or the other, it is a balance. And I think that's one thing we really sell in the recruiting atmosphere, the um, environment here is that, you know, it's competitive division one athletics successful, our alumni base with Fordham, um, the culture diversity aspect with New York city, but strong academics, you're going to be set up for life after softball, you know, and I think that's the biggest part. And I think our job as a staff is to help them find their path after softball, whether it's coaching, whether it's a GA spot, whether it's working on Wall Street, whether it's a writing as a publicist or a broadcaster, you know, our job is to hopefully help them find their next passion besides softball. Right, right. That's exactly, that's spot on. Well, right now, that's a little bit harder too, obviously with COVID and everything else, like, you know, the radio station, that's awesome, but maybe some folks can't go in for their internships like they used to for, you know, with that being said, not on and off the field, really. How have you been and how do you think about coaching through crisis, which is really what this has been? Uh, it's been difficult. I, I think uh, our, our, our university has done, and our, our athletic department has done a great job. We have a, a mental performance uh, team, if you will, and a program. I, I think it's called a mindset development program here. And so we have our uh, a mental performance firm, Sports Strata, that's out of New York City. And so we have a couple designated people that work specifically with teams. So our specific mental performance coach that we work with out of Sports Strata is Olivia Massey. She was a former track and field athlete at Bucknell. And I think it's been really helpful to have a female, a mental performance coach. I think there's been certain topics that she's been able to touch on a little bit more than maybe a male um, mental performance coach has been. And then we also have a close relationship with the counseling and psychological services here at Fordham. And so there's a designated person here on campus, Dr. Susie, that specifically works with student athletes um, through their mental health, uh, well-being and issues and situations that they might occur. And then also within that mental performance team or mindset program, uh, there's also social work um, uh, interns as well. So we really kind of have a three-headed monster, if you will, mental performance, sports, uh, or excuse me, counseling and psych services and then also social work. So really any, you know, any situation that a student athlete might um, be struggling with then kind of maybe falls under those three different umbrellas, right, to work with. Um, but I think it's something that our staff has put an emphasis on. So our team did a couple Zooms this past fall with Liv, and then we'll do some in the spring as well. Um, and then also I think something new that we just actually talked about with our team is, and it's something that actually uh, um, I can't take credit for, it was from UCLA. Um, they mentioned this a couple years ago at our coaches convention and, and, uh, I had talked to Kelly in a way about it, um, but their program instituted kind of a personal wellness, personal uh, mental health day. Um, so I know we kind of, um, introduced that to our team yesterday at our meeting and kind of it basically is if a student athlete is really struggling uh, with their mental well-being and feels that maybe they're not going to benefit that day from going to practice, um, then, you know, they're able to take a personal well, uh, wellness day no questions asked, you know, go get your mind right, be in a better position. Cause sometimes it might be a distraction if they were to come to practice, they're just not mm. mentally there, you know, physically they might be standing there and doing, going through the drills, 
but mentally they just might not be in the right headspace. And, and so I think it's important that if we show that we value that from the top down, I think that's important. Um, and I know I, um, our leadership council group that we talked to the other day was definitely like, coach, I can count on a hand right now that there could have been some days where I could have used a personal wellness day, you know, and there's a lot going on. There's a lot of kids that have a little bit more anxiety, um, a lot of perfectionism, a lot of comparison. Uh, I think there's a lot that they deal with on top of a strong academic school, on top of a competitive softball program. So it's a lot of juggling, um, but I think it's something, and, and we also do biweekly um, player meetings. So each one of my staff and I have a set group of players that we meet with and then we rotate every two weeks. And so if Jenna, if I was meeting with you, I would say, Jenna, when do you wanna meet? You'd set the meeting with me. And then I would tell you, where do you wanna meet? I'm not a coffee drinker. Uh, so most of the girls will choose Starbucks and I'll sit there with my bottle of water with the player <laughs> meeting and, and really the meetings, um, check-in meetings, if you will, but it's really just a time for one-on-one -on -one with coach, uh, with one of the coaches, and it's not to talk about softball. The conversation uh, usually steers away from that. It's usually like, how's your family? How's school? How's your dorm life? You know, what are some internships you want to do? And I think it goes back to the statement I made earlier. If you're okay off the field, you're going to be okay on the field. And so I think that that's cool. You know, some players might only 10-minute meeting because they're not as chatty Cathy as obviously I'm pretty pretty talk, uh, talk oriented. Um, and then other kids might talk to us literally for over an hour, um, you know, and uh, I think it's cool. Uh, I think it's, it's neat to see student athletes while other student athletes walk by and they'll be like, Oh, what were you doing? And they'll be like, Oh, it was, it was our, uh, my player coach meeting. So, and it's kind of cool cause, too. Cause usually it's like either around, like, like I said, the girls will go to Starbucks or I'll sit up with them in the calf um, to eat lunch um, and I think it's really just getting to know them a little bit more. And I think it's awesome when they'll say, hey, coach, I applied for that internship and I got it. You know, I think that part is I, I, get, I, get, I get stoked when I hear that stuff or, hey, coach, I applied for a Ph.D. program or grad school and I got into it. You know, I think that that's what's really cool, because, again, it goes back to helping them out with their next step. I mean, this is, this is fantastic. Like I am blown away by all the resources, all the kind of initiatives that you've taken. I, you know, if you and I were going to meet like that, I'm not a coffee drinker either. So I, maybe we could go get a smoothie or something, but yeah. And then we can boogie board afterwards and not surf, I guess. <laughs> but, um, but this is, this is awesome. Like, I, you know, mental health is such like a trendy thing to talk about right now, mm -hmm. but to actually put things into practice to help these young ladies and even the staff, I'd imagine, like, you know, mm -hmm. like can benefit from some of this as well. Like this is the real deal. Like I, I'm, I'm blown away. I wish I would have had all that when I was uh, playing. Yeah. And we try to keep it light too. And it was my assistants last year, credit to them. I'm usually the party pooper probably, and not the fun, you know, the fun police, but they're, they're, they're a little bit younger than me and they're probably a little bit more fun and creative. So we started kind of doing like some fun games after practice, whether it was charades, hangman, you know, name the song, whatever it might be. And I think the biggest thing was getting them to leave practice on a good note. They might've had a terrible practice personally, or it might've been a tough day with a lot of running, whatever, but for them to leave in a good mood and a better mindset so that they can go to class in a good mood and feeling better. Right. Um, so I think that's important too. And also I think we all know that life has been too short. Things have gotten taken away really quickly. So I think it's like, it's okay to laugh and maybe cut practice 10 minutes early to make sure that they're doing okay. You know, uh, and I think that's big. And it's also just listening to the players, right? We have a leadership council group. 
and we'll be checking in a lot with them, like uh, kind of what the pulse of the team is. Um, but yeah, we've had to really kind of step back and make sure that we're doing things to check in on their well-being, um, you know, moving forward. And even this spring, we talked last night on our team Zoom that it's going to be a roller coaster. So I hope we're all ready to go. But also we just have to adjust and adapt and overcome as quick as as possible, but know that we're all in this together. Yeah, it's the well-being of them as people and you got all of you as people. But mm -hmm. also, you know, this game is very, very mental, let alone all the challenges that are happening right now. Like such a big <laughs> part of it is your mentality and just to get through everything and to overcome the failures and keep going. So I, I would I would imagine it makes you a better softball player too. Like it it helps you as a person, but then that's going to translate on the field. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and a lot of kids, you know, different players during quarantine, and I think a lot of them really use time to self reflect. A lot of kids were doing some reading. Some of them were doing journaling. Some of them were doing meditation, yoga. That's another thing too. The department, um, if as a student athlete you wanted to, um, we they provided Headspace app uh, for you. Um, so it's been. I mean, I give the credit to our, um, you know, our, our uh, interim athletic director and our SWA who are really kind of leading the charge and really benefiting um, the student, all student athletes, not just softball, but all student athletes in the department uh, on the mental health and well-being. They've really stressed that. And I think it's, it's been awesome to be a part of a department that's really caring about the well-being. That is awesome. So awesome. And when you think back to your playing days, like let's go back to UNLV for a minute. <laughs> knowing I don't think we had any of that. <laughs> <laughs> well, right. And it's like knowing everything that you know now from your playing days, your coaching days, all of it as a person, what would you, if you could tell yourself, if you could go back in time to you as a player? I think not being afraid to ask for help. I think it was always taboo probably 20 years ago to talk about um, that you're struggling or having a hard time through something, right? It was like, you know, suck it up, get over it. And now it's like, it's a lot different now. And I think it's okay it's okay to not be okay, right? But I think I would probably tell my younger self to ask for help and use the resources on campus. Like I honestly probably couldn't even tell you where the wellness center was or where the counseling center was on campus, you know? And the fact that obviously, you know, uh, being a college student athlete, like I guess it just wasn't a norm back then, um, but I would have definitely told myself, number one, to know the campus a little bit better and the resources, but ask for help. Yeah. Honestly, I'd probably tell myself the same thing mm -hmm. <laughs> like it and, you know, and it's like you there hindsight's always 2020. 20. So, mm -hmm. you know, we can always say, oh, could have done more of this or could have looked more into that. But what I like about what you guys are doing right now, too, is that you are making those resources known to your team. Um, because I think there were, for example, there were a lot of things going on at Stanford, a lot of resources that I might not have even known about. I just didn't know, like you're saying, I wish I would have gotten to know like the campus a little bit better and known where to go. So I think it's great that not only do these things exist, but you're also encouraging and kind of shining a light on them too. Even like your campus resource for disability services, you know, if a student athlete has a learning disability or even um, needs help with taking notes. I mean, there are so many resources on campus that I think a lot of people don't know exist, even from a campus ministry standpoint you know, or career services for that matter. Um, there's, there are so many different departments and programs that are around that I think people don't even know. It's very true. Mm -hmm. Well, they're lucky to have you letting them know. <laughs> <laughs> and we're lucky to have those resources for sure.
Oh, absolutely. That's fantastic. Well, man, I feel like I could keep talking to you all day long, honestly. (laughs) (laughs) So this is, this has been awesome, but um, I do want to kind of wrap up with a little game that I play with every guest. Uh, Okay. (laughs) Um, It's called safer out. And basically I'll just, I'll bring up a topic and if you like it or you agree with it, you call it safe. If you're, if you don't like it or you don't agree with it, then you'll call it out. Does that make sense? Yep. Okay. Okay. So first one, the saying that defense wins championships, safe or out? Safe. That's definitely what I, what I preach and what I agree with. I think I saw too, like even in other interviews and and articles that you're all about defense, which I appreciate. (laughs) It's probably because I wasn't a good header, Jenna. (laughs) I was a better defender. (laughs) Well, but (laughs) maybe, but like for me, you know, sometimes people are put in the lineup because they can hit and that, and that makes sense, right? You need offensive production, but there might be something lacking defensively. And then that ends if someone makes an error or someone's like kind of not making a heads up play, that hurts too. Maybe you give up that run. Right. So there, mm-hmm. I think the well-roundedness and I think, and in some ways defense is not quite as sharp maybe as it used to be mm-hmm. um, in general uh, in college softball. So I appreciate your focus on it. <laughs> <laughs> I'm probably one of the few these days, you know, everyone's all about the long ball, which I like the long ball, but I still think, you know, good defensive pitching will win you uh, more championships. Yeah. I, I like it. Let's, you know, let's win a ball game like three to one instead of like 10 to seven. Right. You know, like <laughs> that would be better softball. Most likely. <laughs> yeah. Watch our scores be 10 to seven this year. <laughs> I know. I know. Now I jinxed it. So that's I'm on kidding, me. Kidding. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So that's the first one. Okay. So now staying in the coaching box, like if you're coaching third base, staying within those lines, safer out. Uh, out. I never stay in the lines. <laughs> I'm actually told quite a bit to stay in the third base box. I'm a roamer. If you were to come to a game, I, I pretty much don't stay in the third base box. I'll be, I'll be in the dugout on the hole till I get a warning or until I get the eye from the umpire to kind of shoe back. Um, this year, I'll probably have to, or I might go all the way down third base line if I could see a sign or whatever. But yeah, <laughs> out for sure. I don't stay in that box. <laughs> sometimes I feel like most coaches don't like who actually yeah. doesn't move you know so it's like why why are we pretending like this is a real thing you know <laughs> like, in some ways it's like why do we have this I agree <laughs> oh well, that's awesome well thank you so much this was great coach I'm so glad that we were able to to talk and and chat and I I really enjoyed it so I hope you did too yeah same here I didn't even think that we'd been talking that long but no I appreciate it was awesome. And uh, thanks for your time and your, um, you know, your uh, Fordham softball publicity. We appreciate it and appreciate what you're doing for softball and just in athletics in general. Absolutely. Thank you. And good luck this season. Appreciate it. Thanks, Jenna. Have a good day. It was great to hear from Coach Inouye about the ins and outs of a D1 softball program, especially right now. So complicated and a huge part of it and life really is mental. So with this week's foul tip, is about understanding the difference between simple and easy. And they sort of sound the same, right? Like, but if you think about it, just because something is simple doesn't necessarily mean that it's easy to do. It's like laying off the rise ball. You know, you might make that plan before you go up to bat, like, okay, I'm going to take that pitch. It's pretty straightforward. Sounds really simple. But when you're actually in the box, 
sometimes that pitch looks so good, your eyes get big, you get a little anxious, and you can't help but take a hack. And then you see, as you knew, that that ball jumps right over your barrel, swinging a miss. So while laying off the rise ball is a really simple concept, it's not always easy to execute. And it's important to understand so that you can, one, give yourself some grace. Don't beat yourself up if you don't get something right away. Just because it's simple doesn't mean it's easy to do. It takes time to build up those skills. And two, it can also help you refocus. If you're like me and you start overanalyzing things and make it harder on yourself, reminding yourself that what you're trying to do is simple and just focusing on that part can help you relax and just chip away. It took me a while to really understand this concept long after my playing career was over, but it's something to really take into all areas of your life, your work, your relationships, anything you care about and want to get better at. Just keep it in mind. So that's it. Know the difference between simple and easy and act accordingly. That's the foul tip of the week. You've been listening to Believe in Softball, available anywhere you get your podcasts, Apple, Spotify, Believe.com, wherever you listen. And check us out and watch video on YouTube now as well. Hit that subscribe button, rate the show, write a review, share, and follow the show on Instagram and Twitter at Believe in Softball. Again, that's B-L-E-A-V. You can always hit me up on Twitter at JennaBecerra01 and Instagram at JennaBecerra as well. Thank you for listening and catch you soon. Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you, with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.